0: I have the great privilege and great honor to introduce to you, maybe for the first time, but for most of us, is a returning family members, right? And so the belts are here today from Texas. Je- Pastor Justin and Latricia are here and their family. Pastor Justin going to come and speak this morning. Um, when Pastor Gene said he was going to be out of town, we... He knew exactly who he's going to call to come and, and, and to fill in this morning. And if it's anything like first service, I'm going to ask you right now, I'm going to tell you right now, it's legit, okay? Uh, it, it is an amazing word, and I believe it is specific for us. So I want you to do me a favor. I want you to give Pastor Justin a great round of applause as he comes up here. We're so thankful that he's here and his family is here. It's good to see you, man. I love you, dude. morning, family. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Out of the mouth of babes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Zach. Um, Man, it's good to be here. It's so good to be here. I'm going to tell you in advance, okay? I need your prayers uh, because I meant to hold back a little bit during first service, but you know how it is. You know how it is. Where God is involved, there's no holding back. You either give it all or you give none. So I gave it all. And uh, here's, what I, here's what I'm trusting that you all will do with me this morning. Is that whether you hear five words or whether you can make out 500, that you give God praise. Can you do that for me? Amen. Amen. Because I'm going to believe. That if I can only get out five words, it's the five words that you need to hear. And if I only get out 500 words, and that's the 500 words that you need to hear. Uh, but I'm believing that whatever God means for this service to hear, he's going to bless my voice with just enough to give it all. So let's uh, let, let's pray real quick, and then we're going to jump right into the word. Uh, God, we thank you. We love you. Uh, God, I thank you for this reunion of family, for us. Um, And God, I just trust, God, that as I bring you what little I have left, uh, God, I believe that you can exponentially multiply that, uh, and you can bless all of us, myself included, uh, with this message from your heart. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, um, (laughs) I had this awesome message prepared. It was awesome it was going to get you up you're going to be on your feet you know praising god we were going to do like a 10 minute jericho march around the sanctuary uh you know then you were going to march out to your cars go home and just set the whole world on fire and then it changed <laughs> then it changed on late friday night and as soon as the message changed my voice went poof <laughs> it, it, it's craziness just Craziness. Uh, it's maddening. But I stand here this morning uh, just overjoyed to be back home with you. We have had such a good couple of days here. And I'd be remiss if I didn't thank uh, Pastors Mel and Jean for extending the invitation for us to come back. We love you guys. PG, having church on the beach in Florida. Um, we love you too, dude. We love you too. So I had a message prepared. And as is usually the case, when I bring a message, um, I always like to bring a message about something that I've gone through or something that I'm going through. I just didn't expect God to take a conversation between Trisha and I on Friday night uh, and just turn it into an entire message. And I'll tell you, kind of the backstory about it. We we got in about noon on Friday, and we took the kids to their schools. I went to my old school. Souter, I see you. I see you. I saw my old Rob City Junior High family, which just did my heart so good. And um, that night, we met Pastor Mike and Britt at the mall, and then Neil and Season showed up, and then some other friends of ours, just out of the blue, um, Jared Misha Honey, They showed up. And it was like just this big reconnection at the mall. It was so cool. Our kids were playing with each other. And (coughs) at one moment, I just kind of had an out-of-body experience. And I was just sitting back, just watching this whole thing take place. And I was like, "Ah, oh, God, I've missed this so much, so much. That night on the way home, Trisha said, hey, babe, can I just be transparent with you? I said, Of course, she said, you know, it's been really good being here. This is just the first day, but I'm starting to hear those guilty voices in my head. The same ones that I heard when we were trying to decide whether or not to leave, whether this was God. um, The same ones that said, how can you leave a place where you are loved so completely where your kids are loved so fully? How how can you leave a place like that to go into a place where nobody speaks to you? How can you go back to that? I said, babe, I'm glad you shared that because I was having the same thoughts. Like, we're here. God, can't we stay? Can't we, I mean, can't I just find a job at the junior high and, you know, we just go back to the way things were, you know, helping, you know, helping to build this church and, you know, doing what we were doing. Can't, God, do we have to go back? We were hearing those voices. And so what do you do, you know, when you're in a good place, you're in a comfortable place, you're loved, you're in a great place? Like, I remember the first time we came into this church Almost 14 years ago, people were giving us hugs. They didn't know us, but they embraced us. You embraced us and made us feel uh, like you were so glad to have us, like we were special, like you loved us immediately from the jump. How do we leave that? Like when God calls you away from something that is so comfortable, that fits you like a glove when God says something to you or asks you to do something that seemingly contradicts what his will is or what, is, what the Bible says about him, when he calls you to do something that is unnatural, what do you do? See, I believe that there are two types of yeses. There is a simple yes. But I think sometimes that simple yes is misconstrued. Like We say it should be easy for you to say yes to God. It's a simple decision to say yes to God. It's a simple decision. It's simple. It's easy. Anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. Well, if anybody can do it, how come everybody hasn't done it? Every time God comes to you with something, it's not going to be easy. In fact, many times, it's going to be hard. The hardest thing that you've ever had to do sometimes will be to say yes to God. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. The message is called the hard yes. Somebody say the the hard yes. So how can we go back? You just say yes. It's like you say yes to the heartbreak. You say yes to the heartache. You say yes to the goodbyes. You say yes to the I'll see you later. You say yes, you say yes to the doubts and the fears. You say yes to the uncertainty. You say yes to the mystery. You say yes to his voice. You say yes to his love. You say yes to his provision. You also say yes to his test. You say yes to the feelings of isolation. You say yes to the confusion and the wondering, what am I even doing here? See, I'd love to tell you. I'd love to tell you that we're in Texas. We have this amazing church family and we're thriving. You know, we're doing small groups and we're leading worship and we have this community of people. But nah, I can't stand here and lie to you. Uh, I'll even tell you that there were a couple of Sundays we didn't even go to church because we were so frustrated with not being accepted. Like we wanted to go down there and find a destiny church. People who were going to look at us and say, oh man, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah," God sent you to us. Come on. Let's give you a hug. Come on. Let's get you plugged in. No, that didn't happen. We 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 just knew that God was sending us to a place where there were going to be people who were waiting for us to get there, to make us a part of their community. We haven't found them yet. I mean, we have, uh, we have two couples uh, who've been really, really kind to us, and we love them. They're our friends. They're our family. Uh, but as far as a community of people like we walked into in Destiny Church, nah, those don't exist everywhere. So be thankful for what you have here. Be thankful. Get plugged in and continue the mission that God has placed in this church. Because being here this morning, during the worship, just watching everyone, I can see that God has you all on a track for something amazing. This Holy Spirit of God is just doing awesome things in here. And if you're not glad to be here, you need to get glad to be here. If you are glad to be here, you need to be gladder to be here. You should praise God when you walk through that door. Because God is here. The Spirit of God is here. And if you have an opportunity to plug in and get connected from somebody who's not plugged in anywhere right now, you don't want to be on the outside. You want to be in. You want to be where the people are giving hugs and asking you how you're doing. You want to be in. But see, we're not in right now. And while we might possibly have a church that we want to get connected with, it's not the same. And I think sometimes we subscribe to this theology of the way it ought to be. Anybody can relate? Anybody relate to that? Anybody ever prescribed, subscribed to that theology, the way things ought to be? In the gospel of Justin, chapter 7, verse 12, the day that I was born, my life was laid out. I should have, like, by now, I'm supposed to have, like, a couple of million dollars in the bank and be super successful with a nice whip, you know, with nice rims and everything. That's in in the book of Justin. I don't know what your book has, but in my book, yeah, that's the way it's supposed to be. But I will tell you this morning that settling for the way that it's supposed to be will still keep you as far away from the will of God as possible. So if you don't get anything else from this message, y'all, don't settle. Do not settle. Settling, I can prove it to you better than I can tell you. I'll just tell you this. And this is my first point. The hard yes knows that good enough is not God enough. The hard yes knows that good enough is not God enough. So I ran across this verse uh, about a month ago. Somehow I'd never seen it before. But now that I've seen it, I can't stop thinking about it. Genesis 11 uh starting at verse 31 And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot the son of Haran and his daughter-in-law Sarai his son Abram's wife and they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan and they came to Haran and dwelt there so the days of Terah were 205 years and Terah died in Haran now this blows my mind. Somehow I missed this in all my years of reading through Genesis. I love how God just brings stuff out at just the right time. Abram's dad, a guy named Terah, somehow, we don't the Bible the Bible never says that God spoke to him or anything, but we do know that one day he says, Hey family, get up, we're going to Canaan. Like, wait. Didn't God tell Abram to go to go to Canaan to the place that he was gonna show him? Interesting. But Tara stopped in Heron. He got there and said, Oh, this is good enough. I'm 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 good here. I'm good here. Oh yep, I'm guilty of that. I don't know how many of you all know that God has called you to go somewhere, but you get just inside the boundaries of the blessing where things seem to be as good as they can possibly be. Then you perch your lazy boy there, you put your head back and you say, Yeah, life is good. And see, inside the boundary of the blessing here, yeah, there's a blessing there for you. But had Terah taken another few steps or a few more thousand steps, he would have been in Canaan. Like, that's the promised land. That's the place where he established a people for himself. Uh, a place where he led Israelites out of captivity into freedom. But he stopped before he got there. Now, I don't know. Maybe God stopped him. But from what I can tell, he found a place where he could settle. And then God comes to Abram in chapter 12 and says, hey, brother, I want you to leave all your family behind. And I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you. And Abram, that second generation goes farther than the first generation went. And he gets to that place. And God told him, when you get there, your obedience is going to cause a ginormous blessing to be to be uh, put out. Your descendants are going to outnumber the stars. Heron settled, man. Like, do y'all really understand the damage that settling can do? You see people who've settled in their relationships. You see people who've settled with a significant other that God hadn't said yes about, but it just feels good. We see people settling in a job because, oh, the job market is bad, the economy is down, and I'll probably never find another job that pays as well as this one. You might find one that pays better. We settle, we settle, we settle. Hold on. We settle for salvation. Raise your hand if you want to be saved. Oh, yeah, I want to be saved. Okay, now I'm just going to come to church and I'm going to sit. I'm going to settle. I'm going to pitch my lazy boy here. I'm going to receive the word. I'm going to sing a couple of songs, clap my hands a little bit, raise my hand. Hallelujah. So glad to be here. Then I'm going to go home. You settle. Settling is the enemy of faith. Faith is not settling. Faith pushes us. Faith pushes us into new realms. But we have to understand that good enough is not God enough because God has a plan for your life that supersedes every coulda, woulda, shoulda that you could ever come about. God's plan for your life and looks at your mistakes and says, it's okay, I can make a masterpiece out of that mistake. I can take that mess and show people how I can grab it and mold it and turn it into something blessed that reaches people around him if they would just give it to me and not settle. I would say this morning that some of you need to go home and destroy your spiritual lazy boy. Get up off your lazy behinds and look at what God has called you to. Because I'm telling you, every last one of us has a different level that we can go to. Where you are right now, Destiny Church, you shouldn't settle and say, oh, we're good here. Because as deep as you want to go with God, that's as deep as he wants to go with you. As much as you want to see God manifest himself in your life, he wants to manifest himself more. You can't outseek God. You can't go deeper than God. You can't go higher than God. And when you say, I refuse to settle, God, I'm not going to let you go until you show us the extraordinary life that you've called us to, then something happens inside of your heart. You begin to look at every day with expectancy. Oh God, I know you have something amazing for this day. I'm not settling for how good yesterday was. I'm not settling for how good last month was. I'm not settling for how good first service was. I'm ready to take this thing up and up and up and up. Because good enough is not God enough. The plans of God for your life supersedes every shoulda, woulda, coulda. That's why the Bible doesn't have a gospel of Justin in there because I'd mess it up because I want what I want but when we begin to want what God wants and God wants it all then we will begin to have our eyes opened and our hearts renewed with the goodness of God. Abram said the hard yes and he went all the way. See, it's, it's one thing to say yes to God and begin the process of going but it's another thing to say yes to God and follow the pathway all the way through if any of you are like me, you're good at starting but if you're like me you're not great at finishing you get to a point where oh man, this is good, I did good you start patting yourself on the back and then you begin to fall back but for where? But for what God wants to do in your life. And that's each and every last one of us here. We have to excel from the beginning to the finish line. There's no stop. Can't stop, won't stop. My second point is: the hard yes will move your faith. See, when we're faced with a hard choice, it's a faith issue. And in Romans uh, chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, Paul writes. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Somebody say from faith to faith. For as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, I like how the Amplified Version puts verse 17. Let's see that. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed in a way that awakens more faith. Somebody say, God, wake my faith up. Wake my faith up, God. See, righteousness, being right with God, is like a propulsion system. It starts with faith. That faith springs you to more faith, which springs you to more faith. Which brings you to more faith. And every time you're sprung from one level of faith to the next, you jump higher. The distance traveled is farther. You begin to feel stronger because faith is active. The more faith that you show in your life, the more it awakens more faith. And I don't know about you, but I understand now, not being in my comfortable space, that I need my faith awakened every day because it is hard. It's hard not being around people who love you. It's hard not being around a support system at work who believes in God. It's hard not being around uh, people that you know are in your corner and can say, you're going to make it, you're going to be okay. So I have to rely on the propulsion system of faith and the love of my God that says it's going to be okay. Spring, no matter what you come up with today, it's going to be okay. Spring and when I allow that propulsion system of faith to rocket me from one place to the next place to the next place, all of a sudden I look back on my journey and I wonder how I got there, and I know that it was nothing but but it was nothing but God. But our faith has to be awakened. See, we cannot we can't put faith we can't treat faith like gasoline. Put it in a container. And then just store it. Because if you try to store gasoline for a long period of time, what happens? It goes bad. The same thing happens to faith that's not used. Faith is active, y'all. It is active. If you try to store your mama's faith for you from 1964 and try to pull it out of the gasoline can in the garage and use it now, it might work, but it's not going to work the same. Like your mama's prayers, your daddy's prayers are going to carry you some some way, but they're not going to carry you the the whole way. I'm looking for people who are going to stand up and say, regardless of what my mama prayed or didn't pray, I'm taking ownership for my faith. I'm going to allow God to awaken my faith, and I'm going to live God's best life for me right now. I'm ready to say the hard yes. Abram said the hard yes. And he went through this whole series we see after chapter 12 where God tells him to go. He brings brings a lot with him. Everybody has a lot in their family. Freeloader. Troublemaker. Like Lot got rich just because he was associated with Abraham. And he got himself into so much trouble. He got kidnapped. Then he ended up in Sodom and Gomorrah. And then... Abram saved him from those, and then Abram had to turn around, and God said, I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac. Say, What God? Would have been easy for Abram to say, forget that. Nope, 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 nope. But I like there's a song that says, I I I, I know too much about him so that I can never doubt him. See, Abram's life had been uh, propelled from faith to faith, to faith, to faith. We never read that Abram was a warrior, but he had to fight and kill a king to get Lot back. We never read uh, that Abraham, um, uh, we never read that Abraham had this enormous faith when he starts out, but he took what he had and God propelled him into a blessing that we still reap the benefits of now. What is God wanting to unleash in your lives that will affect every generation to come after you? Or are you content to keep storing up all of the faith for yourselves? Faith moves us forward. We used to sing a song here called Moving Forward. I'm not going back. I'm moving ahead. I'm here to declare to you, my past is over in you. All things made new. I'm giving my life to Christ. I'm moving, moving what? Moving forward. Instead of moving forward, I want to challenge you to faith forward. Let your faith propel you from where you are into where God wants you to be. Faith forward. So not only does the heart, yes, know that good enough is not God enough, not only does it move your faith forward, but it also will crush you. And that's been the hardest thing for us to understand, y'all. I'll be completely honest, it's been hard. I want to look at uh, some scripture here. Matthew chapter 26, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So Jesus said the hard yes right there. And what I love about this scripture is that you can read the the Bible and just think that, man, I could have been Jesus too. He went around healing folks, you know. His haters hated on him, but, you know, he addressed them sometimes like, I'd love to flip a table over on somebody. But we look at Jesus and we just look at his divine nature and we don't focus on the fact that he was also human. But right here, it is impossible to separate the fact that just as he was God, he was also man because Jesus had a human moment even though he was there for the plan for salvation, the plan for redemption, when God decided, son, I need you to go. And Jesus said, okay, dad. Here in this moment, in the garden, the pressure's on him. He knows his life is about over, this iteration of it anyway. And the pressure is building upon him so much that his soul, his heart feels crushed, Someone who'd never done a horrible thing to anyone. Someone who'd been a blessing to every person that he had come into contact with was under pressure for people who didn't even understand who he was, much less who didn't like him. He was crushed. Now I want to back up a little bit, because I think knowing the location is going to bring this this point around. So let's look at John chapter 18 verse 1 and 2. When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas who betrayed him knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. Now we're going to look at Matthew chapter 26. We want to go back there again. Verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. So between these two accounts, we see that Jesus went to the Kidron Valley, which is where the Garden of Gethsemane was located. Now, I found myself doing some study on this a while back, and I thought it was so interesting. And I hope that you'll find this interesting too. But see, the meaning of Gethsemane is oil press or a place where oil is pressed. Uh, Looking at some different maps and things, you see that the Garden of Gethsemane was a garden of olive trees. I think we have a picture of olive trees in case you've never seen one. Now, here's the interesting thing about olive trees. They're an interesting tree. They grow very slowly as far as getting to a stage where they're going to produce olives. It takes them about five or six years to begin to produce But once they begin to produce each year, their output grows exponentially from the year before. And we know that those olives are pulled down and they're crushed. Actually, some theologians have said that not far from where that garden was, there was a cave which was where the olives were crushed. Now, I want you to follow me here. Okay? Olive trees are very, very hard to kill. You can cut it all the way down to the roots, but if you leave any piece of the root alive, that tree can grow back. It's not easy to kill. So here we have Jesus in the garden of the olive trees, not far from a cave where the olives are crushed. His soul, his heart is crushed, he's broken. But yet he still finds the strength to say, Father God, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus was in the garden of the olives where the olives are crushed in order to make oil. Jesus was feeling crushed in his soul knowing that his blood would be shed but also the olives in the olive trees are pulled and they're picked from the tree. They're taken into a cave and they are crushed so that they would have oil to cook with and oil to anoint the same kind of oil that was poured upon the head of David when he was called uh, anointed to be the king of Israel. Jesus is in this uh, is in this valley where the sole purpose of the fruit is to be crushed. Jesus was the fruit that was going to be crushed. Jesus was the olive. Because if he was not crushed, then his blood would not be shed. We sing all the blood of Jesus. We sing about nothing but the blood can wash away my sins. That cleansing blood, that powerful blood. Oh, that's power in the blood of Jesus. I don't know if you believe it this morning, but I believe in the power of the blood of Jesus. But Jesus, but Jesus had to be crushed underfoot in order for that blood to flow. The blood wasn't going to flow from a pristine, fully put together Jesus. He had to be battered. He had to be broken. He had to be bruised so that the blood would flow so that we could receive salvation and be purified by that blood. Now, listen. (laughs) We are saying yes to God in order for him to crush us. But see, the crushing is not to kill you. The crushing is to cultivate you. See, those olives, you can't get that oil that you like to cook with, and some people put it in their coffee, some people take a spoonful, everyone like the oil, the olive oil is really good for you. How many of y'all use olive oil every day or at some point during the week? Olive oil. See, the the olive oil is good for you. It's been proven that it's healthy for you. But the process that those olives have to go through to get there, oh, y'all, if olives had feelings, they would be telling us about ourselves. And see, what you don't understand is you are that olive. See, so many of us don't say yes to God because we don't want the crushing. And when we feel it, we find ourselves praying, God, please. Release me from this crushing. Oh, Satan has come against me. I rebuke Satan in the name of Jesus. Remove me from this season. Put me into my blessed season, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Put me in my blessed season. And we sow money on TBN because pastors and preachers are talking about, oh, and the prophets with an F, not a PH, are talking about if you sow $1,999, you'll be blessed in the year 1999 with 1,999 different ways. We look for every means of escape from the crushing. Consider with me, what if God is allowing you to be crushed because he knows what will happen as a result? When Jesus was crushed, his blood flowed, salvation came. What will happen when you're crushed? When the essence of what God has placed inside of you is is, is released, when that oil begins to flow—the oil that represents the Spirit of God—I don't know how many of you in here are like me, but I want my life, the essence of my life, where the Holy Spirit is to be released. I want it to be visible. I want it to be clearly visible. So if that means I have to be crushed, I don't like it. I don't want to feel like I'm in that tight spot. It hurts. But I understand that if I'm to be used by God, then I have to go through the, the, the season where I'm being crushed because something good is happening in my crushing. When my heart is broken, when my soul is broken, when my spirit is suffering, God, you're doing something. I don't know what it is, so I'm not going to just hold my head down. I'm going to hold my head up high, and I'm still going to praise you. I wonder if anybody here can praise God in the crushing. It's easy to praise Him when we're singing songs up here. We're singing about the amazing God. But I wonder how many of you can come in feeling downtrodden and low and still lift up your hands and say, God, yet will I praise you. Yet, God, will I magnify you. Yet, God, will I lift you. Yet, God, even though we have to go back to Texas, to a place where people don't know us, where we feel alone. Yes, God, I will praise you. Yes, God, I will still say the heart yes. I should have warned you that this wasn't the kind of message that I was going to have you getting up wanted to do a Jericho march but it's so important y'all it's so important that you understand that God loves you too much to not let you be crushed if an olive is never crushed its essence is never released we don't have that oil If you are never crushed, what the Holy Spirit has placed inside of you will never get out into the world. And I'm not going to ask you if anybody here wants to be crushed. Because that's a difficult question. Only God knows where you are right now and and what it it is he's placed inside of you and what he's called you to. But I want to caution you to be slow to pray your way out of a crushing season. Because it's in the crushing where the oil of the Spirit flows in your life. Amen. Amen. Finally, a hard yes will cost you. Leave your family. Leave your friends. Leave your job. Leave your money, leave your sin, leave your addiction, leave your negativity, leave your doubts, leave your fears, leave your despair, leave your discouragement, leave your encouragement, leave your support system, leave your brother, leave your sister, leave your boy, leave your girl, leave it all. Leave it. The Bible talks about what kind of a person goes to build a house and does not count the cost. What if you count the cost and you see that it still comes up as a deficit? Do you do it anyway? God, we're going to move Oh, my, uh I, I, I'm not 100% sure that it's you, but we're going to do it anyway and we're just going to believe that it's you even though our income is going to be cut in half and we're moving our kids away from their friends and we're leaving our church where, you know, we're on the pastoral staff and we're really helping and we're loving on people and everything. God says, move. Well, okay, let me sit down and count the cost, God. Oh. Oh, Lord. Uh, are you sure? <laughs> God, are you sure? Okay, how many of you, if your budget for your building was going to put you in the red, would still build that building? (laughs) What I'm learning is that when we say yes to God, there is going to be a cost. It's going to be a high cost. It's not necessarily going to cost you your things, but it's going to cost you who you think that you are. Like the hard yes comes with some hard truths. I thought that I was this person, but what happens when you're no longer uh, a pastor on a pastoral staff in a church? Who are you then, Justin? Oh, what happens when you're not uh, the beloved teacher in Web City Junior High? Who are you then, Justin? Justin? What happens when you have students every day who look at you and who don't even care who you are, much less where you came from? Who are you then, Justin? See, the hard truth (coughs) is that I'm not as good as I thought I was. I'm not as great as I thought I was. I don't have as much grace and patience as I thought I did. I'm not as nice as I thought I was. The hard truth, the cost that's counted, (coughs) is understanding that what I'm not God is. And if there's anybody who is worth me standing out over the edge of a chasm and not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, it's Jesus. Because he jumped for us, y'all. He jumped for each and every one of us. And if he wants me to jump and not see the light at the end of the tunnel, I've got to trust that he's not just at the bottom of the tunnel waiting for me, I've got to trust that he's jumping right along with me. See, when we talk about the cost, understand, Jesus already paid it. He paid it. He paid it. And so when we're talking about the cost of saying yes to God, all he's wanting you to do is just to be obedient, regardless of how hard it is, regardless of how much it costs you, regardless of how heartbreaking it's going to be, regardless of this, regardless of that, God is still calling you. Will you come to me? Will you come with me on a fantastic, on a fantastic journey? We look at Abram and all these people in the Bible and we think, oh, God just favored them more than me. In the band, you all can come up. God just favors him more than me. God loves him more than me. Uh, uh, God's not calling me to anything like that. God's not calling me to leave anything, to sacrifice anything. Those are the heroes of faith. But you're a hero to somebody. So, yes, God is calling you. God's calling you on a fantastic adventure. God has asked you several times. I'm sure he has. God is asking you right now as you listen to this message. And again, this is not a comfortable message because what it causes us to do is to confront what we think about God and what we think about ourselves. Is my life worth too much to me to give it over to God and see what He has in store for me? Let's look at this verse in uh, in Luke chapter 18. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Regardless of what he calls you to do, regardless of what he calls you to, whatever you think that you're leaving up for God God has so much more than what you have God has so much more for you than what you can see God has so much more for you than where you think your faith level is God has so much more and God sent me to you this morning with our hearts breaking because we've got to go back we've got to go back to a place where our neighbors shall uh, close their garages down as soon as they come in. They don't speak. They don't walk across the street to shake your hand and say, welcome to the neighborhood. We've got to go back to a place where we walk through the mall and nobody says anything. Nobody even takes eye contact. We've got to go back because God said, go. And as painful as it is to say, yes, we say Yes. Because we know that God has something for us to do there that we could not do here. We say yes because we know that being here, God has prepared us for whatever God wants us to do in the Dallas, Texas area. We say yes because even though we love you all and we want to be here for you, nobody can be here for you like God can. So if y'all would stand for me this morning. Stand with me. This, this is the point in the message where we've got to be real. With all eyes closed, I'm going to ask you a simple question. And when I ask it, I want you to search your heart. And then raise your hand if it applies to you. We've been talking this morning about the hard yes. If God has been calling you to say something, to do something, that you look at you like, God, this is going to hurt too much this is too painful. I, I, I can't do this, God. I can't, I, I can't say yes, God. This is going to hurt. It's going to shake up my life. It's going to shake up my family. It's going to shake up everything that I think that I am. If God is calling you to do something that you know you cannot do unless he goes with you, I want you to hold your hands up high. Nobody else is looking but me. If God's calling you this morning, if you hear his voice clearly and he's saying, just come with me on this adventure, I've got you. I won't leave you, but it's going to cost you something. You're going to be crushed, but it's going to move your faith to a different level. It's going to move your love to a different level. It's going to move your grace to a different level. It's going to challenge your forgiveness. I want you to hold your hand up high. Holy Spirit, you see these hands. And I believe that you can articulate this better than I can. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now for every hand that's held high. God, I pray for the hands that aren't held high at all too. Because I know that you're calling each and every one of us. There's something that you're calling us to that we're afraid to do. We're afraid of how we're going to look. We're afraid of how we're going to be perceived. We're afraid that nobody will understand. We're afraid because we don't even know that it's actually you. And you're requiring us to have faith and jump before you tell us what to do next. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the settling spirit because I believe that you have so much more in this life for everyone in this room. You've created us to have a new life, an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ so for those people who feel that tug God I pray by your spirit that they would receive the courage to just say the hard yes 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 God yes God no matter how much it hurts no matter how many tears we cry God give us the strength to say the hard yes yes So as we sing this last psalm, I want to invite you all to sing out because you're not alone. He's never left you. He'll never leave you. He'll not forsake you. If you just say yes, he will strengthen you to endure everything that your journey with him will have you to endure. like me, I've cried at several different parts service because we love you all so much words can't express what this church has meant to all of us so we want to bless you all We pray so many blessings for each and every one of your lives. And whether you know it or not, you are affecting people as deeply as you all have affected our lives. So we love you guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you for being so gracious. Have a great week. God bless you. We love you.